They're flushing that shit that they bought down the toilet and they're actually creating from the ground up. Completely. Goodbye, Virtual Edge. Goodbye, Taleo. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I am Chad Sowash. If you listened before, you already know that. One thing you're going to notice, though, is we're going to have a lactose-free podcast today because we have, drumroll please, Madeline Lorano. She's come back. She's the heavily acclaimed industry expert analyst and founder of Aptitude Research. How are you doing, Madeline? Hi, Chad. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad I, I didn't spoil it last time and <laughs> you want me to come back. <laughs> no, you were a hit. I don't know if it was because Cheeseman wasn't on the podcast or just that you're so delightful. I think it's the latter or it could be a combination of both. I don't know. <laughs> but are you feeling feeling a little deja vu? I am. I am. And it's been a lot of change since we last since we last talked and we talked about programmatic and all the new announcements of Seekout and some of the other providers and much more has happened since then. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we jump into today's research, tell me how was the programmatic research received? Very well. I was very happy with it. I think, you know, what we talked about last time and I think it still holds true is that I think a lot of people don't understand exactly what programmatic is and they think that either yeah. as you said it so well, they think of it as just job distribution or they think of it as something that just is going to be an added expense. And I think, you know, what we really tried to show is that this is something that can help reduce costs and streamline advertising. So I was really happy with how it yeah. came out. Oh, you don't know how many programmatic companies and agencies. I mean, they were all over it. They were texting me. They were messaging me. They were like, <laughs> this research is lit. I don't say that. My kids say that. But anyway, I mean, it was it was awesome. So if you haven't seen the programmatic research, go to aptituderesearch.com, right? Exactly. And it's available there. But today, we're going to be talking about your new research. And this mm -hmm. is programmatic was big, but this is like the granddaddy, grandmama of <laughs> them all. So what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about the good old ATS market. And it does feel like a child because it took so long to put this research together. <laughs> it feels like it feels like another child or grandchild for me. So uh, it, it's it's been a big report. We really studied the ATS market to look at what's changed, what these providers are doing. And we profiled 13 of the leading providers in the market that met a certain criteria. Now, are you picking these or are these companies who uh, are saying, hey, we want to be involved? Or is it, is it kind of like a combination of both? It's, that's a good, great question. It's a combination of both. I think a lot of, you know, I'll put out some tweets earlier at, at the end of last year and said, you know, we're going to look at doing this again. And a lot of providers called right away and said, when does this start? And to me, it really had to meet a criteria and they have to be providers that come up in the interviews I do with corporations. And there were some, unfortunately, that just did not meet that criteria. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. So it's actually entitled Talent Acquisition Systems 2021 Mapping a New Path. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> mapping a new path. <laughs> 
Well, I think it's interesting because I always try to think about what's the main theme. And uh-huh. I've said it before, and, you know, it's always kind of been ATS is not enough. You know, the ATS itself is just a tracking engine, as a workflow engine. It's not enough. We need CRM, we need onboarding. But this year, the theme, Mapping a New Path, is really that every provider is going in a different direction. It's not apples to apples anymore. It's not this commoditized market. Some providers are going into talent management. Some providers are sticking with TA. Some providers are trying to do this whole skills framework currency type of scenario. So it's to me, it's looking at this market that's been in place for so long and seeing how everyone's trying to go in a very unique direction right now. So can you say, because I can definitely say that the ATS market right now is probably the most exciting since maybe when it, it, it actually launched back in the early aughts. I think so. And also, I think in the 2005, 2006 timeframe, when all those acquisitions happened, Virtual Edge, Brass yeah. Ring, that was exciting too, just because of acquisitions. This is exciting yeah. for another reason. It's companies are spending more money. They're looking at their providers more strategically and they're replacing tons of companies are replacing their ATS systems this year. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that back in 2005, uh, around that time frame, all the acquisitions had happened. They went to much larger organizations where they literally just went to die. Just to die. It was like where ATS is going to die. <laughs> they go to big companies and then nothing happens. And what we're seeing right now, and this will come out in the report, is a lot of those larger companies that bought ATSs are and have redone them in a very significant way. I mean, ADP and Oracle are two examples. What you're going to see from their ATSs with OR and and with what ADP is offering um, is really impressive. I was very impressed with both. But they're a total new platform. They're not using the old plumbing at all. That technical debt is way too heavy. So they're flushing that shit that they bought down the toilet and they're actually creating from the ground up. Completely. Goodbye, Virtual Edge. Goodbye, Taleo. We're rebuilding this whole thing and hoping to retain the the Taleo virtual edge, customer, virtual edge customers in the process. It might be easier than keeping them on the same old stuff that they are yeah. right now, right? Exactly. So we're going to tease, like we did the programmatic research, we're going to tease the ATS research uh, with just bits and pieces. Uh, you have a top 10 trends, which I've uh, scaled down, boiled down to Chad's top five. That sounds great. Five's good. Okay. <laughs> okay. So so I'm going to hit you with these, my top five from your report, and then we can dig into it a little bit deeper. So number one, DEI is the new AI, but DEI is a differentiator. It's never been a differentiator in ATS before. Why is it a differentiator now? And truly, is this just more of like a vapor kind of DEI? What's going on here? Yeah, I think it's I think it's all of the above. It's certainly never been a trend in the ATS market. I mean, I think I never talked about it. It probably always should have been a trend, but it wasn't. Um, and I think what's happening now is you're seeing a lot of organizations, they have budget for DE&I and they're looking at their talent acquisition technology to spend some of that budget. So the ATS providers are saying, aha, let's start to market a little bit more of this into our messaging. And what I, what I mean by a differentiator is there are some providers where it's just marketing. It's just saying, this is a priority. We can help you with your diversity needs. We can help you, you know, improve diversity hiring. And then there are others and it's not all of them that have really taken a strong stance to say, we're going to start internally. We're going to look at our own culture. We're going to look at the diversity of our leadership. We're going to look at having a chief diversity officer. We're going to start there. Then we're going to look at the services that we our customers and partner with them 
And then we're going to look at our product. And I think when you think about the product, everyone thinks matching is like the, the be all end all in diversity. It's like this, this solves the diversity question, but it's not. To me, it's the analytics. It's are you able to show really powerful insights that companies can see and say, wow, look what we're doing when we attract people. We, we, we're not doing enough. What can we change? Yeah. How can we look at the job descriptions? How can we look at the interview process and make this more fair and inclusive? And that that's very powerful. So you'll see in the report, there are some providers that are really called out for, for the work they're doing there. Yeah, I have to say that in this area, there is so much vaporware, number one. And then number two, if an organization, if a vendor has not eating their own dog food, if they haven't actually started to boost their own diversity hiring efforts, they shouldn't even be talking about DEI overall. So I think from this segment, and I'm not sure that you put those disclaimers on there, if they are not really focused on diversity, equity, inclusion in their own organization, how how badly do you think they really want it for you in their technology? I mean, seriously. Exactly. And you know what? I'm starting to see more and more RFPs from corporations to include those questions to say, we don't want to just know about the product. What are you doing as a provider in your company to address this? Do you have dedicated roles? What does your leadership team look like? What does your board look like? And those are appropriate questions. Yeah. So DEI, number one. AI is my number two. AI matching is a priority. And we all know that AI matching is an incredibly heavy lift. And if you're talking to an applicant tracking system one day and they don't have AI matching, but then the next day they do, they probably don't have AI matching unless they acquired somebody. So what did what, what did you find in the report? Yeah, I mean, the you we both love the matching space. I mean, I think we could talk yes. like hours and hours. We could do a series of podcasts on matching. So I love the matching space. And it's very interesting to look at the ATS market right now because you've got these matching providers like Hired Score and Eightfold and Seekout now that are really putting a lot into their thought on ethical AI, they're thinking about candidate consent, they're trying to figure out public versus internal communities with how they look for candidates. Then you've got the ATSs where it becomes more of an efficiency AI model. It's saying, oh, we just want to to move people across uh, and help you make you know faster decisions. It's efficiency. And it's free. It's included in the ATS versus an investment. So I think it's becoming a very interesting area right now where some of the ATSs have made a little bit more investment in AI matching than others have, but you still have these standalone providers with very robust you know, matching capabilities. And I think we're going to really see something happen in the next few years as to, is this something that should be in our ATS? And are these providers really going to make more of an investment here? Or is this going to be a standalone market? And that's that's a very good question because as we've seen over the years, when a, a bigger platform buys a point solution, does that point solution generally get better? So I'm going to say for the most part, not so much, right? So yeah. is that really the way that we should be going or much like the uh, mapping a new path. Maybe it's a, it's, it's a new way for applicant tracking systems to uh, start to become accountable and take responsibility for things that should be a part of a core system, much like diverse, uh, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion, right? Absolutely. And I think it becomes challenging. You know, I know I, you're going to have to cut me off with this matching conversation, but I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know it becomes challenging because... When you're investing in a solution, like a third-party solution for matching, you're spending money. So you can hold 
providers accountable. You can say, what are you doing? What's your approach to AI? We're not seeing the results we see, we wanna see. But when you're looking at an ETS that includes it for free in the product, you don't really hold them accountable as much. It's free, right. it's there. You know, we like our matches, we don't like our matches, we don't think it works, we're not gonna complain. So that, that becomes interesting too, where you know we're not necessarily holding the ATS providers as accountable for the AI matching that we would when we make an investment. Yeah, stay tuned for a Madeline and Chad series on AI matching. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and hit my next one. All CRMs are not created equal. And this is something that your research, we all, I think, kind of understand, hopefully, but your research digs into this. Tell me what you found. Yeah, so I think everybody's trying to check that box, the CRM box, to say, we've got it, we've got it. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. But first, we have a question for Andy Katz, COO of Next. Andy, if a company wants to actually come to Next and utilize your database and target texting candidates. I mean, how does that actually work? Right. So we have the software to provide it two different ways. If an employer has their own database of opted in text messages, whether it's through their ATS, we can text on their behalf. Or we have over eight and a half million users that have opted into our text messaging at this point. So we can use our own database. We can dissect it by obviously by geography, by function, um, any which way. Some, and sometimes we'll even parse the resumes of the opted in people to target certifications so we really can you know dive really deep if they want to hone in on you know just give me the best hundred candidates that I want to text message with and have a conversation back and forth with versus going and saying I need 30,000 retail people across the country and that's more of a you know yes no text messaging back and apply for more information go to hiring.next.com remember that's next with the double x not the triple x hiring.next.com the jim stroud podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives brain-to-brain communication robot bosses microchip implants for workers and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now if you want to know what's happening next subscribe now to the jim stroud podcast these are all boxes right they feel this feels like an rfp kind of like menu i check the box but is it really a box checker exactly is it really a box checker and i think it everybody wants a crm if you're an enterprise company you need something pre-applicant so you need a way to to manage your talent pipelines you need to be able to think about this and the ats are all saying we have this but some of them have made very significant investments some have made acquisitions and others it's a, a you know tim sackett calls it a light c crm and i think that's probably very accurate we're seeing companies and, and it's funny because i've talked to so many platforms where as soon as i say i want to see it they're like well it's kind of like, it's it's really a light crm it's like i i don't even know what that means it, it just seems like most of these pieces are box checkable but the beautiful part about this for me and keep me honest here, is that when you dig into some of these things like DEI, CRMs, so on and so forth, you will deny those uh, applicant tracking systems a box check because you yeah. don't feel like they've actually covered that base. Yeah. And we called out those that have really significant 
you know, significantly better CRMs. I mean, Jobvite is one example. I mean, they made a significant acquisition in telemetry, and that is a true recruitment marketing platform CRM. You look at Aperture, they started as a CRM. That's going to be very yeah. different than a provider that's just checking the box. So, and then there's others that are, they're making investments there. So it's, it's interesting. Anyone that reads the report, you'll see, you'll see my commentary on CRM. <laughs> so the next one, candidate communication. We're not just talking about being able to send an automated email that says, thank you for applying or an automated text message that says, thank you for applying. This goes beyond that. How much more beyond that is candidate communication today. Yeah, it's really interesting because to me, that's the candidate experience, right? It's the communication piece. And we don't yep. we do not do it, especially for people rejected. Like we're not telling them until after we've already made decisions that they've even, we're sometimes not even telling them at all. So we looked at it for all the different channels of communication. I mean, everybody has a different way that they like to communicate. So we looked at the providers that have integrations with collaboration tools like Slack, and Teams, ISIMS made a huge announcement with Teams this year. Um, and then we look at those providers that have integrations with the messaging apps, WhatsApp, WeChat. If you wanna be a global provider and you don't have an integration with WeChat, that's gonna be a little bit challenging. So oh, yeah. yeah, so we really looked at all the different possibilities for communication. And that to me was where there were the biggest gaps is the communication checkboxes. Canvas, who was acquired by Jobvite. Yeah. You have JobPal, which is more across the pond. Uh, JobPal was uh, acquired by Smart Recruiter. So you have more of a robust, I would say, language-focused type of experience. So we're seeing we're seeing investment at yeah. least, right? Yeah, exactly. And JobPal is great because they integrate with WeChat and, and WhatsApp, their European provider. So we're seeing these investments being made and we're seeing you know, whether it's text or conversational AI or, or the partnerships happening. And I think we'll continue to see that, but it's definitely being asked for in RFPs. So what was ISIMS the first one with text recruit really to start breaking into this uh, candidate communication segment? I think for sure. And I think Jobvite was not too far after that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My last one, and this is because most people talk about this a lot, whether it's, I mean, people are talking about DEI and AI all the time, but we're starting to hear more about internal mobility and it, it seems to still be an unknown. Why is that? I pulled up a report that I did when I worked at Burson like 13 years ago, something like that. And it was <laughs> on an ATS report. So it was similar. It was this monster report and a whole page from it. I took a screenshot, I'll send it to you, but it had yes. a whole thing on internal mobility. And it was the same thing we're talking about now. And it was no coincidence, it was 2008, we're going through the recession and everybody was worried. So we all focus on internal mobility. And I think with internal mobility, there are these waves where it's a priority when we're nervous that hiring is gonna be down, external hiring is gonna be down, or there are gonna be hiring freezes. And then we sort of you know fall off a little bit and don't know what to do with it. I mean, it's it's an important area for companies, but I think, you know, it becomes more of a priority based on the economy. And, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily good or bad. I just think right now what I'm seeing is companies aren't talking about it as much as they were. And they're not necessarily looking at technology providers for that. A lot of the work has to be done internally. Do we have, does, do recruiters have to be responsible for internal mobility? Is that HR's job? 
do you know it's 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 an interesting conversation is this hr's baby is this town acquisitions baby how long does town acquisition actually own the experience until it, it gets pushed off to somebody else but from my standpoint i agree this seems to be very very cycle driven even though internal mobility should be something that we think about on an everyday basis uh, because we want to keep, we always talk about, you know, we want to keep good talent that happens through promotions, that happens through the ability to find mentors, to be able to to upskill and those types of things. That in itself, you would think could be wrapped in an amazing experience that would start at least with the applicant tracking system, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, absolutely the ideal situation. And I think you know, the more companies can understand why it's important, not just during these cycles, but but year round, the more we'll see it. Um, and not just from the ATSs. I mean, some of the RPOs have have made announcements with what they're doing for internal mobility and, and reskilling and upskilling too. Yeah, very smart. So the last thing I want to talk to you about is there's all this amazing technology, data, DEI, AI, CRM, so many acronyms we can throw all over the place. But when a company fails to implement appropriately, or they want to jam their 1990s, early 2000s process methodologies into new day tech, how do we as an industry move forward if we're still playing old cart and horse processes and in, in, in trying to, to, to push new technologies. I mean, is this really something that tech can fix, I guess, is the is the question. It's a great question. I know we've talked about this so much. And the answer, I mean, I think the short answer is no. I mean, you have to think about your processes, too. And if you have these broken processes from the 1990s and you haven't done much to, to reevaluate them, you know, DEI is a perfect example. If you're not thinking about as a core what you're doing in recruiting to think about diversity hiring and to think about inclusivity and fairness, then you're going to have a really hard time with any technology being able to, to address that. And I think they, I don't think it has to be one or the other. I mean, I used to think that you have to have your processes fixed and then you invest in technology. I think they can happen at the same time, but there has to be a commitment to thinking differently about talent acquisition than what's been done in the past. Agreed a hundred percent. And, and this is, here's the hard question. Is this where we start getting marketing involved because they really focus on experience and they also have larger budgets? Yes. And I think we don't take advantage of those opportunities internally. Like marketing has done some of this work. Marketing understands the importance of experience and, you know, programmatic was one example of that. And yet those conversations don't happen internally. I think the more that companies can facilitate those conversations with marketing, um, and I don't think there's, you know, a bad, a bad relationship between TA and marketing. It's just that those conversations aren't happening, you know, but I think it's a, a great example. Yeah, I think it's non-existent to some, to, to some degree, right? Not, not to a business impact degree, right? Well, Madeline Lerano, everybody, this report is coming out very, very soon. When is it? When is this actually coming out? April 15th is the launch date and yeah, and we'll be promoting it all month. So <laughs> you can follow along at Aptitude HCM on Twitter or Matt Tarquin on, on Twitter too, but we'll be, it's all free too. It's free. Go to aptituderesearch.com. Uh, we're going to be launching the podcast on Wednesday. So we're going to be teasing this up really, really fat and happy. Uh, we will also have the link in the show notes. So definitely uh, click on it, download it. it. It is a major report and read. So if you are in talent acquisition, if you're in this space at all, 
and you care about core tech, this is something that you have to dig into. So Madeline, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you doing uh, all this work because it is a gorgeous report and there are a lot of good pieces of information in here. Well, I appreciate you having me. You're the first person to see it. So I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, you speak so highly of it. Thanks, Chad. I'm stoked for you coming back on and we'll talk about that, that uh, AI matching series later. I appreciate it. <laughs> we out. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.